Welcome to 25 at 25. In 2017, VML celebrated its 25th anniversary, and this is a podcast series we've dedicated to exploring the people and the offices who make up our growing VML family. I'm John Cook, the CEO of VML, and for 24 episodes of this series, I've been your host. But for this episode, we're totally flipping the script. My good friend and longtime VML global leader, Chris Wood, who lives in London, based in our London office, actually interviewed me. What I thought was going to be a few basic questions actually turned into a pretty deep dive into my thoughts about VML, our industry, and some of my background. So instead of a 15-minute conversation, it's a good part of an hour, but we really go deep. I've loved doing this series. This has been a fun way to bring it to a close. Can't wait to find a new format here soon with a whole new series of podcasts. But in the meantime, enjoy this great conversation that Chris Wood and I had. This is the 25th and last podcast in the series. And how else could we end this series but by talking to VML's very own global CEO, John Cook. I'm Chris Wood, known largely within the VML world for taking career-ending risks at our annual general meetings. And looks like we're giving my premature retirement one more go today. John, thanks for being here and agreeing to do this interview. I was about to say I'm really excited to be here, but since I have no idea what questions you're going to ask, I'm a little bit nervous. But it's actually really cool to be here in London uh, to do this podcast. You know, you, you and I see each other quite a few times during the year, but I'm glad we're here, away from it all, just doing it right here in London. So let's get after it. I am okay. nervous, though. Good, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I, I think after doing 24 of these interviews, um, my first question for you is, is, um, is what you're expecting from today. Like, uh, you know, and, and who do you think should be more nervous right now, me or you? You should be really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> you've really pushed it to the limits in these annual meeting presentations you've done in the U.S. And uh, now I'm, you know, it's like being on the other side of it. I don't know what's coming. And I, now, I'm, now I'm realizing what it's like on the people I've done podcasts with. I never give them that much heads up either. So I could, I could, I, they always look nervous. Now I see why. So I'm not really sure where we'll get to, and uh, my expectations are that there'll be some heavy edits by one of the Wade <laughs> sisters before the uh, before this podcast uh, gets released. Well, I'm um, the, I control the edit, you know, so <laughs> that's why I'm a little less nervous. Yeah, and I guess there's uh, the way I would see it is I imagine that there's going to be a director's cut uh, that one day will resurface uh, when perhaps Thomas Konsorczyk is running WPP and you've retired and uh, I'm still probably uh, in this position here. So... Um, you know, I guess another question for you might be, um, what would you like people, like pr uh, projecting forward, what would you like people to take away from this podcast about you? You know, I think the whole series has been about, you know, it, it, there's two, been two goals of the podcast series. One has been to get to know VML a little bit more, you know, to have people at VML understand more parts of VML because we all get in our own little worlds. And, and the second objective would be to get to know the people that make up the company, you know, and um, I'm one of those people. So, you know, I, I think um, the way I live my life at VML is pretty open and people know a lot about me, but it's a big company and you know, it's hard to know everything about somebody. So I think, you know, if you listen to this and learn more about VML and learn what makes me tick and maybe me personally, I think it'd be a pretty good podcast because I think they're uh, hopefully a little bit inseparable between VML and myself because I've been here so long. So we'll see. I, I, well, let's, let's, let's use that as a, I say that, a frame I'm, I'm of reference. Really nervous. <laughs> let's use that as a frame of reference. And, um, you know, 25 years is a long time. And, and you've been with VML for most of that time, yeah, 20, not... 21 years. Um, so I was thinking about, like, um, how would you describe a young John Cook 25 years ago? Yeah, I was a, uh, like a pesky little account guy. Uh, in fact, I, you know, uh, my wife at an agency I was at before, she was a... Um, She's about eight years older than me, and she was kind of a senior creative type at that office. And I was the worst little account guy that always wanted to make the logo bigger. Found my confidence in having the details put together. 
And so I'm sure creative people hated me. Uh, I had a lot of freedom. That grew me up pretty fast. So. And you, and am I right in thinking you met your wife at your previous mm -hmm. job? We did. We met at uh, an agency called NKH&W, where I started out of college. And uh, yeah, her name's Lisa. We met there. She's a, uh, yeah, she was a creative director there. And um, so that's really interesting. But I'm kind of interested in in what you were like even before that time. So you, you've sort of described yourself in a in a work context. Mm -hmm. but, but what was John like as a young child? Like, what was, what were you like as a let's say a ten-year-old or a twelve-year-old? Like, what, what was your what was your personality that was shining through those days? Yeah, I think it was, uh, well, I mean, a lot of things. I was, I was really into, well, first of all, I was really into advertising, not as an advertising person, but I, was, I loved just creative things. I loved playing with Legos. I was a huge Star Wars fan, still am. Played with all the Star Wars toys. Had a huge baseball card collection. I loved collecting things. I collected buttons. I have about, you know, probably three or four thousand buttons, you know, like the pins, and uh, I collected them from anybody. Like if, if somebody working at McDonald's, I would ask them for the button they're wearing advertising the McRib sandwich. So if I showed you my button collection, maybe we'll put a picture of it on, <laughs> online. It's, it's a little known fact about me, thousands of these things. And um, political buttons, sports buttons, restaurants, you know, the, all that flair that people wear in restaurants, I had it all. Um, baseball cards, comic books, um, Star Wars figures, you name it. So. I was, I was really into collectives. I was really pretty colorful in kind of terms of liking creative things like that. I was mm -hmm. big into sports, still am. I was a huge, grew up a huge fan of the Kansas City Royals and the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, both big teams that were really good in those years. Um, that was me. I was, I was pretty into those things. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's what you're getting. You know, well, those kind of things, but, you know, things that I, people wouldn't know. I was I, really I always it. feel that, you know, I come from a planning background. That I always feel that a context around somebody of where yeah. it came from. And am I right in, uh, in saying your dad was a, a, a man of the cloth? He was a, he was a vicar or a... Yeah, he was a, he was a Presbyterian minister. I guess he still is. He's retired now. But we moved to Kansas City when I was about five or six. And um, 19, whatever that was. And um, moved for his... He was an assistant pastor at one church and moved to the big job in Kansas City. We moved from a small town in Minneapolis, or Minnesota called uh, Rochester, a bigger town yeah. now. Um, and we moved to Kansas City, which was the big city move. And um, he was the, the pastor there at that same church for all those years until he retired uh, and what not was too it, long what ago. What was it like? What, what was the influence of your mother and father on you? Were they, you know, and, and what's your relationships? How how's that developed? I'm, I'm interested. My, my father was a prison governor. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, very different, right. different style of, uh, yeah. of uh, maybe the same thing in a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I know how impactful that was on on my life, and you know, on, on the way I live, and, and all those sorts of things. So, what what about you? Yeah, I'm same, wondering. same uh, in terms of being impactful. And first of all, I should say that both my mom and dad both still live in Kansas City, where I live. And so, I've got two younger brothers. They both moved away. They live in Phoenix and Austin. Uh, in the United States, uh, so I'm the the son that's still there of the three of us. But yeah, a really close family, and um, my mom was a nurse, my dad was a minister, and you know I don't think their influence on me had anything to necessarily to do with their exact professions. But I think uh, the way they are and the way they've always been is 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 really proud parents, and really um, I think I learned a lot from that. You say, well, isn't every parent proud? And I think they were just put a, a big premium on. Um, you know, recognizing you for things you would do and patting you on the back and, and taking an interest in everything you're doing. And, and uh, I think if you're growing up, you take that for granted. I think as a parent now, I make sure not to take that for granted. But, you know, you look around at other parents at the school sometimes and see that maybe that's not just something that automatically happens. Maybe that truly is a, 
a blessing to have parents who who really you knew were proud of you no matter what. And I will still call them to this day or forward them an email about something cool that happens at VML. No different than getting a Cub Scout badge, you know, back in, in yeah. seventh grade. Uh, and their reaction would be the same. Like, we're proud of you. Um, uh, glad that the world knows how great, as, you know, how great you are, just like we've known all along. That kind of support. Wow. Um, I think, as a, and I think specifically my dad as a, as a minister, you know, not to draw the parallel too close, but it, we, we do talk about there's a lot of similarities in the fact that, you know, as a minister, most people think the biggest part of the job is on Sunday morning, that sermon and that, that performance. And I think in our business, the glamorous part of it is the big pitch or the big presentation or the big annual meeting. But like his job and like mine, like all of ours, I think, in advertising, the real work is not the big show. That's kind of the easy part. I think my dad would say the minute the sermon was probably the fun, easy part. The, the bigger work was the leadership through the week, you know, you know, making everybody feel important and make people feeling part of something bigger, a congregation. It wasn't, it's, I think the, the biggest part of it and the thing he was great at is great at and, and I like to be good at is, is the inclusiveness that you build in your congregation or your company and making everybody feel like they have a part in that. If you do that right, the sermon or the big pitch is the easy part. Sounds like you learned a lot. I did. Yeah, that's nice. And still do. They're still so they're in Kansas City, so I see them all the time. Yeah, that's nice. Um, talking about that that sense of pride and the fact that your parents reestablish, you know, establish this sense in you, and what, what, you know, if you look across this twenty five years and we project back out of you being a child, I'm going to go back in and out. I'm sure in the sure. Uh, over the course of time, but you know, what is the what is the thing that you're most proud of that you've achieved? I, th I do think about that all the time. I, whenever I think about it, it's hard to nail down one thing. I think, um, you know, from a professional standpoint, I'm, I'm really proud of the consistency of VML, and I like to think I've had a big part in that, and I'm the first to tell you I'm not the only part. That was something that was established at VML before I got there, and a lot of people contribute to it now, but, you know, I, I, we've been a really successful company in terms of growing and recognitions and accolades, they're all nice. I think the thing that you'll never get a recognition for um, that I'm probably most proud of is just the consistency of when people talk about our company, there's a certain way that they feel about it, about the way that we treat people, um, both internally, externally, the way that VML, and I've gotten even more proud about that as VML's grown around the world because I think it's been something that we should never take for granted. If you meet somebody at VML in Singapore, Beijing, Sydney, Sao Paulo, Kansas City, New York, wherever you meet somebody, London, here in London. As a VMLer, you have a certain reaction you expect from somebody. I'm really proud about that. Uh, that's really hard to do, and it's something that we, I think we've achieved by never overly trying to achieve it. And um, so I'm really, I'm really proud about that particular part of VML, and that doesn't mean we're perfect, and that doesn't mean every interaction that anybody ever has at VML or with VML is perfect, but nothing is. And, can only control what you can control. But I'm really proud of the, the VML way that we've established. Yeah, that's nice. I, I, I mean, I think that is one of the most consistent things that we see when we go around the world is, and, and I remember, obviously, you and I come from different backgrounds, different ways of working, and you know, for years I've been like, we need more process instruction. You're like, no, we just need the culture of VML. And, and I actually, you know, I, I'm learning as we go. I, I can see that culture trumps process, and culture trumps organizational structure and all those other things. Not that they're not important, mm -hmm. but if we do have that culture, I think, and that's something I would you know, very much credit to you in the last you know, seven or eight years of instilling in the company. Well, it's a good, I think, I think that, I don't know if they trump each other or not, but I do believe that 
you could have, if you spend all your time building a process, you couldn't then just build a culture. But if you built a great culture, you could easily build a process. You could do anything. Um, but it's not exactly true the other way around. It could happen, but it's not a guarantee. I, I guarantee you we can do the things we need to do if we have a good culture. And sometimes it takes more time than others, but it'll happen. Yeah. Another, another thing I see in BML that um, may be a characteristic of other companies and, or may not be is that there is this, there is this incredible uh, work ethic. There's a very much a, it's a very hard working culture, and that, and that pervades all the way from the top to the bottom. But it's particularly present at, at the top of the uh, of the organisation. Where where does that where does that work ethic come from? Where, I know exactly where it comes from. I think that there's a wiring to most people at VML that uh, it's always been there, that nothing's been ever been given to us. You know, as even as they take a whole as the VML brand, if you come to VML, you didn't come to a place where you were guaranteed that the world knew what your brand was. VML has always been a brand that started in the middle of the United States as a small company in Kansas City, three people. So nobody ever in leadership at VML has just assumed that we will be, you know, known. And I think we've got more and more recognition, but I think by operating with, it's, it's a fine line between, you know, edge and chip on the shoulder. Yeah, but we, I think there's like, consistent feeling with most people in any sort of leadership at VML that we are, uh, none of this is granted and we, we have this feeling that we've got to continue to, to, to fight for it and, and we have, like I said, we have a lot of strengths and weaknesses, but what strength is we will, we're always thirsty and we're always hungry and um, I love that. You know, I think, it, I think that's a, uh, some people we used to call that a Midwest United States work ethic, but as you start to grow as a person and see VML around the world, it has nothing to do with the Midwest of the United States. It has to do with a certain type of person that exists everywhere. You just got to find those kind of people. And that's what we've done a good job of. And we've done it, some of it by selecting good people, some of it by deselecting people that aren't that way. People that take things for granted or are snobby about things don't last real long here. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and then, you know, having talked about this amazing work ethic, um, I'm, I'm brought back in my memory to a couple of strategic planning meetings you and I have had whereby, um, you know, I was talking to you and then I realized you were watching the Royals game. Uh, so <laughs> At what point in the meeting did yeah, you yeah. call it? it was, you realize? I think it was halfway through yeah. I realized you were... So you're slow. You, yeah, it, it, it was a <laughs> short meeting. I was watching meeting. the whole time. <laughs> um, what else, you know, what else takes priority uh, over VML business for you? Yeah, well, it's not, a certain it's not a certain time of day. I'm not one of those guys that, you know, at certain time I shut off. Or, but it's but it's definitely like a, I work a lot of things that have priority into my overall day and overall you know the course of the year. But you know you have to because you have to have certain things that aren't escape. And you no, know, sometimes work is an escape from those other things too. But it's certainly like um, you know just you kind of joked about one of them, but it's serious. I love watching sports. I just I mean I'm just a, a huge sports fan in general, and I have my teams that I talked about earlier. Um, it's just it, those are really big escapes for me. One, because I love sports, but two, because the memories I have of watching sports. If you think about it, why do you like sports? Well, why do I like them? It's, and why do you like anything in your life? It's because you associate it with times in your life when you're with people that you love doing that and the times you had around it. It's kind of like drinking beer. I love to drink beer. I don't even know if I like beer. <laughs> I just know that I like the inherent memory of things I've done while I've been drinking beer with friends. Yeah. You know, and so it's... It's, a, it's that kind of thing. And so I love doing that. And I love spending time with, with my family, which is you know, a family that um, has really grown. My daughters are 18, 16, 14 as we speak right now. The 18's almost 19. And 
though that's changed a lot because our oldest daughter's off to college now, and so uh, we were together over this this holiday. And you know, as a family that's been together for all those years, a, a family of five of us, to have our first holiday break where our oldest daughter was back, you realize that you know you're actually without your whole family, and, you know, and so you start to you start to get, get to that point where you do treasure the time where you're together because you. I don't think they all realize it because they're just kids going through yeah. life. But I, it really hit me this holiday break that, you know, we got to cherish this time together. So we love taking trips together, um, taking time off to do that. Um, we've had some really good ones through the years and planning a couple more. So I might, I might come back to some of the family sure. questions. Um, the other thing that I've noticed is um, for a man that works incredibly hard, you have an unprecedented level of knowledge about HBO shows. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, can you expand on that a bit for me? I, I came up in the Jeff interview as well. It was like, yeah. Jeff, what are you watching? What's the most thing? Like, you know, what, what, how do you choose and, and what do you watch and what do you enjoy doing? And obviously there's a lot of plane rides and things like that. So. Yeah, I have two kinds of shows. That, and it's one is that, that I can watch on my own and do and just control on my own when I'm on a plane. My favorite of that ever is Breaking Bad. Okay. It's, it's literally one of my top two shows ever. But that's one I kind of just watched on my own. And then there's the shows that my wife, Lisa, and I choose to watch together, which is a pretty important thing to us because it's, it's that thing in your life you can count on with kids going all these different directions, travel different directions. A grounding point for Lisa and I is having a show that we can watch together. And we get a little out of sorts when we don't have a show. You know, I'm sure a lot of couples are like that. But, um, <laughs> you know, so uh, we, just, we just completed watching the show Godless on Netflix. And it was a, like you know, seven or eight episodes, and it was just kind of heaven because we had our show, you know. Yeah. But one before that, for Lisa and I, was Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, just you just—it's nice to have something you count on together and watch and analyze together and look forward to. Does so, she occasionally skip ahead one? She won't. No, she, she won't. She get mad that the only reason we have fewer shows together that we should is because she says we just can't invest one because you're never here, yeah. you know, and we can't wait on you. the family cannot wait on you. But so we every now and we pick one that we will wait on me. And we'll do. So that's why maybe I like those. Even you might more. do a bit of simulcasting. where like, <laughs> I'm watching now. Are you watching now? And yeah. Like, no, you know, we we're pretty. I think it's we're pretty like you've we, got to be in the room. This no, is the thing. No, we, we're very uh, faithful to each other on that. Like it's like there's no cheating. Okay. So, <laughs> we're pretty good on that. Okay. Yeah. I suppose once you've started cheating, this is experience in the wood household yeah. occasionally. Is once you start cheating on the shows, it's like, oh no, we're never going to rely on this again. Yeah, I watched The Stranger Things season two with a second, the second episode with my middle daughter. I said, do not tell mom that we watched it. We were on a trip together, and that we wanted to watch something. We said, do not tell You cannot tell mom. When we're going to watch it this weekend, you act like you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And then we got to that episode, and Lisa goes, so I heard you watch this. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle just you couldn't help You can't trust herself. the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah you cannot trust them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, so I'm going to jump out of that again, and um, I want to go back to the, to, the, to the work side again just very quickly, which is, a bit of an unanswered question, I think. I think most people would never ask you this question for fear of looking stupid. It's never really been on my agenda to worry about that too much. I think I've... Uh, <laughs> you crossed that line yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, I crossed that line a long time ago. Um, but, but what does a global CEO actually do? What do you see your job as being? Yeah, I think it's um, three parts. I think it's number one is... No, not number one. They're really not in any particular order. Those are all intermixed in a gray area. But I think of it as... Um, you know, our clients and spending time, I always want to be a CEO of an ad agency that works on clients. I see agencies that are not. The number one recipe for a bad agency is when the CEO doesn't work or no clients. And so it's, imp it's impossible to do that all the time. It's impossible to know all of our clients. But I really 
at the very least like to be very aware and very most be very involved. And so that's that's a huge thing for me and I always be like that. And not just because it's requirements because I love it. That's why I'm, I love being in the work too is um, trying to grow the company and anything that comes with that. So new business, I love introducing uh, new clients to our story and trying to one, because I think it's a good story, but two, it forces you to really have a story. It forces you to know the difference between you and other companies. And whether that difference resonates or not, I don't know. But I know you have to have a point of difference. So I love constantly thinking about that, and I love the fact you can't lie about that. You have to have a good story and a point of difference. You have to have one. So that relates to point number three of my job, which is is running the company and making whatever that entails, which means constantly evolving this company and, and working with our other leadership and everybody in the company. It's not just on me, of course. All of us running the company to make sure we have a point of difference. And that point of difference comes from culture. It comes from our capability. It comes from just the way we interact. It comes from what our geography is. Um, everything about the company is in that category three, which is making sure that in category one, clients, and category two, new business, we have a point of difference. That's that's the job, and um, there's a lot of I could go drill deep into all those, of course. But the quick answer, I think, of are those three things. I think um, you know when you're younger and you're, you know, you look up and you look at a CEO and the title like CEO, all these things. It's, I think for a lot of people, it's full of mystery. Yeah. Like, um, you know, when you say, "Oh, I go and talk to clients," I'm sure there's a bunch of account execs going, "Oh, I talk to clients." Like, yeah. How do you think you characterize the difference in the CEO role versus those other? No, that's a great. Role? It's a great question. I think it's it's you know, um, you know, as as you evolve in your career, I think what you bring to a situation, whether it be internal or external at an agency, has to be kind of commensurate with what experience you have and and and. Uh, you know, I guess I would say that I always try to exceed the expectation of what that what somebody might think that job is for. So if the expectation is for a CEO to show up and shake a few hands and just prove that we have a CEO of the company, I would exceed, try to exceed that expectation. I try to know what the expectation is for the particular role and make sure that we're exceeding it. And I think by doing that, one, hopefully you exceed the, uh, the expectation that one has. But two, I think it sets an example of what everybody at VML should do. Yeah. I mean, I really feel like as an agency, we should be the best part of somebody's day. And a lot of agencies say that, but we just, we just, we will only do that if we exceed expectation in every role. And so I really try to do that, you know, with, with clients or anybody that we're, we're interacting with as a CEO. I know what you mean about the mystery thing, because I've been the CEO for, you know, whatever it is, eight years, or this will be the eighth year uh, coming up. And you're still kind of fi figuring it out, and but I do, still I, looking for the handbook. Still right? looking for the, there's no handbook. Yeah, it's I, like, I, where's the handbook? <laughs> you know, I can tell you this though. You can just feel it. You can feel what you need to do. Maybe it's a talent. Maybe I'm being a little humble on that. Maybe it's a talent, which is knowing what's needed in a situation. And that's I wouldn't know if that's a summary of being a CEO. But I can tell you, I've I've done pretty well on gut feel in a mysterious job of of knowing what's needed, what needs to be said knowing when something needs to be, I'm not always right, but you, sometimes you do look around and go, man, somebody's got to take the control of this. And you're like, wait, I am the CEO. I think I'm the one who's supposed to do that. But my gut's been pretty good on when to do that and when to let somebody else well, be that. The, it's, it's not easy, but I think the, you know, I think the two things that you said that uh, are nice to hear. One is that the handbook that you could be handed wouldn't necessarily give you the answers you wanted to, to be given. Um, and the second thing is there is talent in knowing what to do. It isn't, I don't think it's innate in, in everybody at all. Right. Um, but I think if you're guided by trying to do the right thing, 
Um, and to your point about exceeding expectations, which is one of the things I see in, in you, is, mm -hmm. is I think you more than likely are going to land in the right place. Um, so I think I think those are two of the things that you, you said in that uh, that, that I would and, and hopefully thank you and I, I think uh, hopefully VML is a place where there's a lot of people that that are like that because you take one person that's like that it's pretty good if you take a lot of leaders that are like that working together it leads to what we have which is a really good company yeah. so the company's changed in our time I mean when, when yeah. we started working together it was London and US yeah. offices is now there's now a, a plethora of countries and, and, and offices. Um, you know, what, what's that mean to you? How does that resonate? I mean, that, that for me is certainly part of your legacy, which is the internationalization and the global growth of the, of the business. Yeah, it, it's such a differentiator. It's, it's such a, as somebody who grew up in Kansas City, the, the global aspect of VML is one of the most you know, precious and appreciated things that in, in my life because it's, it's been a, personally, it's been a vehicle to see the world and get to know people and get to know how the world works. And I think as much as I think I know it, we've been doing this a long time, you and I on a global basis, it's, there's still so much to learn. I mean, I appreciate and love that. Um, it makes you really appreciative of people. And you realize that the idea that somebody's just a leader, I can tell somebody's a leader when they don't need you there every minute to tell them how to lead. So if you just, I mean, because it'd be impossible just to lead a company with the level of care and passion I have if, to, if you were a micromanager because you have to let a little bit go but trust that somebody's going to do that and I have learned a ton about it. Like if you think that one of the farthest points away from, from me where I live in Kansas City is Sydney, Australia and to call up Aiden and just to see how he's doing and just to know that, you know, in VML Australia which is literally half a world away and they're carrying out like VML, they got their hard things and their great things but Aiden and that whole team are leading it like it's it's just everything you know and, and it's just it's just I'm so appreciative everybody's like that around the VML world um, self-starters self-motivators tons of pride about VML about their own role it just wouldn't work without that yeah. and so it's, it's extra special as you know we all get together with those leaders it's like a combustible VML love fest yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you know that's that's for a reason you know, you've been in other meetings where it's not like that yeah. with other companies yeah I mean, one of the, the things that characterizes my relationship with you now is that every time I call you or email you or text you, you literally say to me, I'm just getting on a plane. <laughs> I think my first question is, is that true? Or are you just trying to get me off Three the phone true. so you could... Uh... <laughs> it's just true eight times out of ten. Yeah. I, the second thing is, where do you like going? Like, where, where's your favorite place to go and, and why is that? Yeah, I love going to New York. It's an easy trip, for one. It's, you can get in and out. I can do a day trip there. I could go for a week. Uh, I love how you can go to New York, VML in New York and uh, feel like the center of so much action across WPP, across our clients. Um, I love everything about there. Everybody's really welcoming there. I love going to VML New York because as somebody who's not from there, you not only see people from VML New York, the way the company works now is you'll see people from London. You'll see people, I mean, from VML London, from yeah. other cities of VML. I love not knowing that somebody's gonna be there and running into them. You know, this is like today here in London, and look out the hall, and there's Brian Yamada walking by. I had no idea Brian was going to be here. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I love, but I love the New York. I mean, I love lots of places in VML, obviously. But just as a quick answer, New York has that vibe to me of the kind of the Grand Central Station of, of VML, uh, and it's an office. It's that's grown so much and has such a good vibe. And yeah, I like going everywhere though. I mean, it's it's, it's fun. But New York's a quick answer. Yeah, nice. 
Um, and then, you know, of all the places that we that we now have offices, is there is there a cultural trait that you'd like to adopt for yourself? Is there like a, a thing you've seen? You're like, ah, oh, I wish I was Swedish. I love the sauna culture. Uh, you know, is there something that you've been somewhere you've been that you, you see those things? Yeah, yeah, Brazil. I think the passion of people in Brazil. First of all, everybody in Brazil is beautiful. <laughs> it's, just, it's like this beautiful place. And, yeah, and, and, even Fernando. Yeah, even Fernando. Well, he's the most beautiful of all. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's just the spirit. Uh, and I'm just like anywhere. They have their tough days, and I, maybe I see them on their best days. But the energy and passion, the way, the way people love each other in Brazil, as a culture, you're, I don't know if you're talking about culture of Vietnam, yeah, it's yeah, probably culture, both. Yeah. Uh, passion and, you know, and Fernando Torali, who always tell us, because that's what you get when you get Brazilians. It's just, you know, it's passion. And it's passion both, you know. Excitement, it could be anger, I don't care. It's, 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 it's huge passion, for, uh, huge pride in their country. Everybody has that, um, but yeah, Brazil especially. Okay, nice. Um, and then I went, uh, I went halfway around the world last year on the Yeah, you uh, went everywhere. VML and, um, you and Chris Eastand, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Chris is in Poland now, so um, I came across, everyone I came across in WPP or VML, um, basically they make a little sound when they hear your name. You say like, oh, John Cook, and they, and they all make a it's slightly different sounds. Like <laughs> young women make a sort of like, oh, you know, and then and then slightly older women are slightly more like, oh, you know, like there's a, there's a sense of like John Cook. Even men like they have a little, you know, expression. I have no of idea like, what they're uh, talking expression about. of love. <laughs> okay, uh, which is basically to say that um, you have this reputation inside VML and also uh, I think broader in WPP. I'm working in a number of the horizontals and, and things and. Your name comes up, and it's just surrounded by like. And I say that as a, as a very understated word and, and meaning everybody seems to really like you. Like, is there anybody you don't get on with? Well, first of all, my kids are going to hear this and think this is totally like, what are you at work? Is it, you know, at home, they would never make those strange sounds, and they'd be, like, annoyed by me all the time. But. Um, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> so, just, like, you seem to get on with everybody. But, yeah, you know, we've all got to. I mean, it's to... my. Yeah, it's, I, I, I learned a long time ago. Like, there's no reason to act anything other than just who you are. So, you know, maybe, yeah. And I, I <laughs> Debbie Van Dieven gives always gives me trouble because any name she brings up, I'll go, oh, I love that person. She goes, do you love everybody? I go, I do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, some people I extra love, but you know, I think it come maybe maybe if, if people feel that way, which I don't know, I'm sure I know I'm sure of people, but even those that I know, I'm sure they know that I'm coming from a place of like you just just I just constantly appreciate that people are at VML. I really am. Like I really anybody that's new, anybody that's been there, I am I, I sometimes stress out that I don't get enough time to tell people this, you know, and I think yeah, I just I mean it, it and then and then the other thing is if you're going to talk to somebody, there's no reason to have fake talk. Yeah. You know, there's no reason to just ask somebody about the weather. Like, I'm going to ask somebody about something I want to talk about and they want to talk about. Let's talk. And so, given the time, you know, I've probably had a, you know, a lot of good conversations with VML, VMLers. So, you know, if if it's, I don't know if they like me or not, but I think people know that I'm real. They know that I, I if I'm talking, I, I wouldn't waste my time on a fake conversation. So, any any time we're talking, it's real. Hopefully, real for them and. That's cool if there's a cool reaction that comes out of that. Yeah. So, so let's talk about some of those people you work yeah. with. Um, who's your favorite? Look, besides you. <laughs> uh, no, obviously you don't have a favorite. I mean, we can assume that if you didn't make it onto the podcast, you're not on the favorite list, right? I mean, you know. The, yeah, I do have, a, I do have, I do have favorites though. In that, in that, um, I could talk to you, but I'll tell you somebody that's really helped um, 
grow VML and grow, you know, what I do at VML is Shally Wade. So we added the position of chief of staff. Yeah. Um, Shally was an account director of VML, is, is account director of VML. And the chief of staff position was always one I thought was just, it, it sounded kind of pompous to have something like that. But when you actually look at the job description that Shally and I came up with, it was like, let's, Shally, let's take the, the idea of the CEO of VML and consider that kind of like a president of a country and that it's an office, not a person. And that office is made up of more than one person. I happen to be the one that's called CEO, but the job can only have scale. Like you can only be one person, but if, if you could do something um, that would help scale the office of the CEO, because VML's gotten bigger. It's gotten a hundred billion times bigger, you know? But there's still just one CEO. How can we scale the role so we can have the impact of whatever that job is? And she's done a great job with that. I mean, she's just as trustworthy as you could possibly be. She understands the expectation of a VML experience. She understands how, how much I care about things and how I want them to be done. And um, so maybe you're joking about asking about a favorite. And she's, she's not my only favorite person, but yeah. she, she's been, um, I mean, just, just instrumental. It's just a great friend, but that's, that's beside the point. She's a great, um, she's a great VMLer who makes VML a better place by what she does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned your favorite, my uh, favorite, um, show ever was the West Wing. So like, uh -huh. yeah, when you so. say chief of staff, I'm always like, what, like Leo? <laughs> right, and, yeah, uh, kind of. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I like the idea that Shelly is Leo. Yeah, no, no, I got, I got a lot of favorite. I mean, I, I, I love our leadership team right now. I mean, you know, a lot of the people that I've, that, you know, if you, I hate to use the word inner circle, but, the, you know, there's a lot of people who have been leading, you being one of them, Chris. Like, we've been together for a long time. A certain group of people that have been here, you know, 9, 10, 12, 15, 18, 20, yeah. 25 years together. I mean, that is, you know, and anytime I'm on a leadership offsite, one of the first things that I would say or just at least think is just, man, this is something we should not take for granted, that we can finish each other's sentences, but that we're so different. You know, like, you know, a conversation with me and a conversation with Debbie Van Dieven are two totally different conversations, but it's coming somewhere inherently from the same place and the same songbook, even though it manifests itself totally differently. So what do you think keeps that group together? Because I have been in this, you know, in this business. This is my 10th year this year. It's by far the longest I've ever been employed anywhere. Um, but most of you guys have been here like 15, 20, 20 years. And, you know, what is it that makes everyone stay? Because it is, it is an almost a gang or a club. And I don't mean that as an exclusive. It's a very inclusive network culturally and uh, but there is a there is a sense of there's a group of people at the center of this thing who will always be there together. Yeah, I can't speak for everybody, but I, I could take a guess because I could speak for myself. And you know, I've had enough conversations with people in that group, including yourself. But one of them, um, first of all, I think the obvious everybody likes each other, and you have to. It's like a marriage where you have people that you can tolerate and, and love through hard times. We've had all that. I mean, we we have our share of arguments. We quick, we've proven a long time ago we can disagree and be amazing friends. So that's, there's a lot of starter stuff like that. But um, it's addicted to achievement, I think. I think in, a, in achieving things together, you get addicted to that in terms of growing something and never being satisfied. And when it was a company in Kansas City, let's make it national. It was a company that was an ad agency only, let's make it digital. It was a company that was only in the U.S., let's make it global. It's a company that was now only digital, let's make it full service. You know, there's always something next, and that's led to... Um, that's the answer to, I think, what VML's been good at. It's the answer to why I think a lot of good people stay together. Um, but those are, those are some of the reasons, and I, I could probably go on and on. But, um, you know, cause some common feelings about the world. It goes back to that point I made earlier, a little bit of the chip on the shoulder of 
nobody really counted on this company being the one that was going to have some success. And, um, and I just we I think we all want to continue that quest. And and it's gotten to the point where we can't imagine doing it anywhere else. Okay, let's let's change tack a bit. Um, talked a little bit earlier about um, your your wife and your kids. Um, I noticed on your Twitter profile it says father to three wonderful daughters, husband to Lisa. Um, what's the reason that Lisa doesn't get described as wonderful on your uh, Twitter feed? And I think wonderful was supposed to be. <laughs> no, she doesn't know how to use Twitter, so that's safe. But um, she just got Facebook figured out, and now we're getting Instagram. Um, wonderful was supposed to be kind of an umbrella statement to all of them. Okay. It, was supposed to, it was supposed to halo up more right. than, than, than it did. You just got led down by yeah. grammar. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah all, as I often do. Okay, so um, in a serious note, what kind of you know, what kind of father and husband uh, would you, how would you describe yourself in those roles? Because people see you in the role of, of CEO. I always worry about you being an absent father. That's right. my kind of like John Cook thing, because you're always lying to me about being on planes, but. Yeah, uh, no, well, I, can, I mean, I definitely have my share of absent because I'm gone a lot. I mean, it's just a fact, so you get to try to make up for it. And, you know, that's uh, done mixed job of that through the years, but I think everybody in my family knows. Um, the good thing is, you know, and there's times I'm more gone than others, but I think they know that I'm not emotionally gone. There's a great family in terms of knowing that no matter where I am, um, you know, I'm there. And uh, because, yeah, sure, you get some stretches where it gets really tough, especially since they've all been in high school and, and moving on. That thing about time flying too fast is definitely true. But um, I think the other cool thing is they've all, um, well, my wife from advertising, but my kids who aren't in advertising, but they've been really receptive to, um, you know, not just me coming into their world, but letting them into my world, you know, letting them, I think they've all, not to speak for them, but they've all, they've all got a huge interest in what I do and they love hearing stuff about it and, you know, maybe not every little meeting, but I think they've kind of loved all the places that I've gone and, you know, through kind of living vicariously through that and then try to not live vicariously living through it. But, you know, I think one, one thing that I'm, I'm rich on is uh, airline miles and hotel miles <laughs> from all that. So um, when it comes to that, you know, so I've always just said, you know, the only way to use those is to, to have our family be able to experience some things that I get to experience. So we've tried to take some, some fun trips together. And I always think that's a nice kind of serendipity with the amount of times I have to travel. It's, it's a way to, to let them do some of that, too. So we've been to some cool, we did a trip to Italy as a family last year, went to Paris and London the year before. I think we're going to try to go to Switzerland maybe in the coming year. Um, it's been a nice, long answer to your question, but, no, you know, good. no, I'm de I definitely, you know, but no, I'm definitely trying to yeah, I mean, be I, absent I um, physically, but, but there is a hard balance, but yeah. pretty good at it. I haven't, um, I'll confess that I have traveled business class once or twice, but I am quite interested in what, you know, double diamond black <laughs> carbon fiber uh, status with uh, Delta feels like. So uh, I'm sure they're going to get some. Uh, well, the problem is it feels so good that. Any variation from that on another airline, you just you just thought you get really snobby. You step out of character. You're like, what is the you know? Yeah, so, yeah. so I have to admit, it's it it does spoil you. Yeah, you know? I travel obviously. You know, when I go away with my family, we travel Ryanair or, right. or whatever else it is, and I get on you get on those planes. Yeah, like, I'm nobody. This is normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, there must be a bit of that. Um, and so, how would your how would your daughters describe you? Pick pick one of them and pick any one of the the three. Like, how would they describe you? Yeah, they think they th I think they think of me as a wannabe comedian. I think they think, they laugh at my jokes, I think, because they're laughing at me, not with me. Or, you know, they're, you know I, I think I'm funnier than I am at home. 
And I realize I don't really think it's that funny. <laughs> I can't imagine what that must be like. <laughs> yeah. Maybe everybody has that. Maybe you have that as too. But that's that's yeah. the first thing they would say. No, and they 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 know how how much I love VML and how much I love advertising. I think I think a couple of them at least already are showing signs of going into that, which scares me and Lisa a little bit. But I think it's pretty cool because it at the end of the day, it's cool that it's rubbed off on them a little bit. Um, what's what's your on your interest list that you just simply don't have the time to fulfill? You know, what's the thing that you go? Oh, if I had more time, I'd be. Uh, yeah, I think um, there's a part of me that wishes I could do more, like I feel more creative than I you know, get to be probably. Now, I don't mean advertising creative, I mean just creating. Uh, it's probably a deeper answer than you're looking for. Um, maybe you're looking for I'd like to go hiking or something. But, uh, it's, it's, but you know, I do have this, if I have anything kind of unfulfilled, it's like, it's not unfulfilled, it's, it's that I think the expression of creativity is, is through such a, a VML way and, and, and uh, I like that. And you get to be creative at VML even if you're not a creative just thinking of new programs and new ways for VML to be. But, you know, I, if my kind of dream job other than VML would be to, it, it's like this thing inside me to create like a theme park. You know, I don't want to be a, necessarily a theme park creator, but it's the skills that, that cr come with creating a world. And I worked at uh, Disney World during college, and I just, I just loved it because it was the track that I had in my internship was all about theme park management. We got to learn the inner workings of Magic Kingdom, the way they showmanship, the way the characters work, the rides, the, the themes, the branding, the experience you have before, during, and after. Um, I loved, always loved the idea of being the creator around all that and then keeping the whole idea of it on theme and try to do as much of that as VML. It's probably some element of that to what I do at VML. Yeah, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm learning a little bit about you myself and uh, I'm thinking, this is what you tell me in pitch. This is how you tell me to pitch. You know, this is, yeah. this is your... I, I, I know it's in me. I, I just, I just, I think, I, I am, I'm kind of a sucker for big branded experience things like Disney World, and not just Disney World itself, but things that are just completely on the mission, you know. And and so I, 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 I don't know. It's a, it's a part of me that's experience oriented, architecture oriented, brand oriented, people oriented. Um, I, so, and I get to do a lot of that at VML in the job, but it's just I'd love to do more of that. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, so I'm going to draw from a, a famous BBC radio program called Desert Island Discs, uh, which um, shows my age. Yeah, no, I know it well. Yeah, so um, I guess if you were going to be stuck on a desert island for the rest of your life, like what would the luxury that you were going to take with you? Forget about escaping, you're never going to escape from the island, but what would the one luxury item that you took with you? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to ask. On Desert Island, do they ask for musical? They ask for, like, that's, the whole thing is about a music thing. And yeah, By yeah. the end, they go, like, okay, now you're, so it's what music do you want to take to the Desert Island? That's right, that's and right. And then at the end of it, they're like, okay, now you're allowed one luxury. What's the luxury? Oh, yeah. You, know, you can't take a speedboat to escape. Or yeah, no, I, I think mine's probably a little bit music, a little bit luxury. But I would, I would probably bring a piano. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of an average piano player, but I love doing it. It's a good expression and something you can do on your own. The only problem with the piano, though, and the reason I'd bring it is, it just there's not everywhere. You know, you can't. You can bring a guitar with you. You could bring yeah. whatever with you. I think. I think uh, maybe the one of the reasons I like piano, and try is one, it's something I'm not great at, but I'm trying to learn. But two is it, it means I'm home because you you just I don't know anything else. I can play video games on my phone anywhere I am. Yeah. I can kill time doing that. You know. I can watch Netflix anywhere. Yeah. But the only time I can play piano is when there's really nobody at home to complain about it and I'm at my home. Yeah. And so it, it's more than just liking it. It is, 
it's a sense of, of being somewhere, a sense of like, it's, it's relaxation on a, on a leather level like that. And so if I was stuck on a desert island, that would be my a nice kind of dose of home. And, and I would get really good at it because I'd have all the time in the world, something I don't have right now. So what's next for John Cook? That's a big question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you probably mean that in lots of different ways. So gosh, without getting long-winded, um, yeah, first of all, I have, um, I'm a relatively young guy. I'm 47, and um, I feel like I've been at VML a long time, but I am literally like I have tons of energy. I mean, I feel really young. I don't know if that's young or old, but I, I do know that it's, I feel really young. I have a ton of energy. So there's a lot of what's next. You know, I'm not, not trying to like, one of these guys is trying to round out their last couple of years or anything. I just, just feel like I'm just getting started. So, um, you know, it's professional and personal are probably pretty intermixed for me, as you can tell. But on a professional side, you know, I just have big dreams for, I don't even call it a dream. It's because I think it's pretty reality of, at least it will try to make VML. I just want VML to be always the most relevant company in the world in terms of advertising. And I think we can do that. And I think we got we, we have, you know, work cut out for us in these coming years. The world, the industry's changing. And I have a ton of energy for, for being what that is. I don't know what it's going to be, but I just know VML is going to be that. It's just if we have anything to say about it, which we do, um, we're going to be that. And again, we'll see how we do, but you know we're going to give that a lot of energy. And then personally, you know, coming up on kind of some some years I'm really looking forward to because all three there will be a point soon where all three of my daughters are in college, and I loved with our first daughter Ellie exploring college with her and and exploring this time in her life where she's away from us. It's Lisa and I are both. Everybody's like, aren't you sad? I'm like, no, it's fantastic. She is. We've gotten to know her in a totally different way since she's been gone. It's been, it's been awesome. And just to multiply that times three girls that are out doing their own thing, whether that's college or later in life, I'm really looking forward to that. And then that changes then Lisa and I, you know, in terms of what's next for us, because, you know, you just quickly go from, it doesn't feel like that long ago, we were working together at this agency. And that's been 25 years ago, this, where we met. Now all of a sudden you're a couple years from, like she and I can do whatever we want, you know, in terms of travel and, and uh, yeah. I'm, I'm pumped about it. Excellent, good. Um, one more question, which is a weird question, but is, is, is I'm not going to ask you any more questions other than what is the question that you wouldn't want to have to answer? Well, you asked one of them, which is who are my favorite people at VML. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought Shali was a good, safe choice yeah, and, a, no, and a true choice because yeah. she is one of my favorite people. But um, yeah, no, I, I was getting this interview and worried that I would have to, yeah, I think you're going to put me more on more pressure on having to actually pick certain people for things and then I'd have to like get political. And so I'm glad you didn't pin me down on any, anybody because I, I love everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you told me there was no impression management. <laughs> so, anyway, so, so that's great. Um, thank you for taking the time. I think everyone will uh, appreciate um, how honest and transparent and open you are. I kind of came into this thinking we were going to have a, quite a raucous laugh, and it, it, it's sort of uh, it's much more genuine and, and you know uh, heartfelt, I think, than I am. Oh, I don't know. I had no. I, I knew we would get that way. Your questions are great. It's given me a good sense of now as somebody who's been doing these podcasts for 24 episodes, first time I've done it. You, you do some things that are really well in terms of asking questions. Now I'm realizing some things I should have done in all these podcasts. Things I should have asked Thomas Kintorczyk and Jeff Gahab and well, everybody. I had to mention Thomas because he, he, he mentioned me, although all he had to say about me is I'm yeah. Brown. Well, he was, he was the first so, podcast of this whole yeah, series right. and the yeah, first yeah. podcast I've ever done in my whole life. So he's a perfect guy to do that because he's very forgiving. Yeah. So, Chris, thanks for the time. Yeah, no,